Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All the dish that's fit to air. Cindy Adams is on 77 WABC. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Madam Adams, Cindy Adams. I am at the New York Post and have been since the days of George Washington. I've been there since before Earth cooled. And I have a column Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and I'm on WABC now every Sunday, 1 to 2. WABC is terrific. It's got the biggest mouths on it. They're all talking politics. Everyone's peeing on everyone else. And I'm supposed to do basically entertainment. But at the moment, I feel like peeing on people as well. So pay attention to me and let me wander. I would like to say that despite varying frailties, our God bless us United States of America still allows opinions less than we used to. But unless we become North Korea, Saudi Arabia, Iran, China, Ethiopia, Myanmar, or any other quagmire, I am still allowed an opinion periodically. The grand jury just indicted Long Islander Daniel Penny. He's 24. He's bemetalled an ex-Marine sergeant. He's now arrested for manslaughter, second degree. He's facing prison 15 years. Why? He surrendered. He wasn't arrested. His crime, applying a fatal chokehold on a homeless, mentally unstable, previously arrested man who was focusing on a female subway rider. This was an act to save her before he did harm to her. Look, forget Dodge City, forget vigilantes, forget the easy white versus black mantra. How would you feel if this woman had been your mother, your sister? This city, New York, has become a war front. It is better to elect that mongrel brag and sit back and watch an innocent lady attacked? This is what I wanted to say. I am now going to go on to other things that aggravate me. Your questions are now being answered by experts who are on the most important case since Aaron Burr's trial in the 1800s. We're talking Donald. Like him, not like him. That's your privilege. I am just going to tell you a little history. Here's what people are all asking everyone. Here's what I have answers for, legitimate answers. The question is, can Donald run for president while on trial? The answer is yes. In the early 20s, someone ran for that office while in prison. Nothing in the Constitution restricts that. The question people are asking is, should this trial be a closed one or should it be televised? The answer from all the pros is, let it be televised. Let everyone see the evidence. Let all make personal judgments. 
not just learn via the prism of radicals who might forward only what they want forwarded. Let it be open. There will be many trials. Donald will have to go through New York, Florida, D.C., maybe Georgia. It allows our right to hear and vote on all the issues that we are facing, economy, foreign policy, issues that affect all Americans, how he feels, how Biden feels, if he feels anything other than money. Donald's legal team, is it good? That is what is being asked. The answer from the pros is, Project 65, a radicalized attorney's bunch threatens to intimidate and file complaints against his lawyers. Although threatening defense due to dislike is vastly un-American, however, it is on the docket and it is being prepped. A rule of law is not Jack Smith's job. Jack Smith, his job is not to investigate. He's just to pin the case on Donald. That's what he's there for. Prosecute one person or fail. Special counsels are assigned people with targets on their back. Their job is to nail the guy you're involved with. One non-charge is the espionage statute. Nothing about espionage is in this case. There is no claim he sold secrets to Putin or anybody else. So it's a classified paper case. The impeachment, that's for high crimes, treason, bribery. Donald's first early impeachment case was unconstitutional. Congress just didn't like that he wasn't cooperating. I just had to get all of that off my chest because I've done a lot of work to find out what is allowed and what is not allowed. Last week, my assistant answered the phone. She was pale, shaking. She said, it's him. I said, who's him? Who? What are you talking about? She says, him, him, it's him. This was Wednesday, his birthday. I picked up the phone. Donald told me, it's okay. I'm getting some sleep. I'll get through this. Here's a story that's never been told. Years back when he lost properties, hotels, money, position, all that he had, this was a long time back, he never complained. He was never down. We had previously flown in his grand airplane, big jet, and now he huddled behind me in a two-person row, a dinky, lousy propeller plane. I forget where it was headed, but I didn't forget how he was never visibly down. He sat there behind me in a lousy cheapo two-seater. He never gave in. He never showed it. He never let himself, nor will he ever let our country get beaten. There's an Ogden Nash poem that goes, Oh, would I were a politician or else a person with a mission. How happy I could be if only I were sure of me. Okay, I have battled on. I'm now going to something else. I now want to pee on Prince Empty, this zero who comes from Britain. 
He is suing because the press has trashed him. Really? Yet peeing on his entire family and his country and his relatives is exactly how he has pocketed his own quid. On film, in a book, newspapers, interviews, conversations, TV. He wants to do something on stage. He wants to do something on the movies. All peeing on his people. And yet that's what he's suing for. He doesn't like being peed upon. And his last pee, his last big urination, was right on Father's Day. And he did it to his own father on the king's birthday yet. He deserves Mimi Megan. They met at a rich European resort. We're rich Europeans resort. She was there shopping and not for a handbag. How do I know that? Because very wealthy Europeans told that to me a long time ago. They knew who she was. They knew the places she had gone. They knew what she was doing. They knew how she handled it. I am just reporting. I'm just a nice little lady who is reporting. Going on. Republicans once controlled New York's Senate, plus sometimes our mayoralty. Today, they promised pardons to those who are convicted of sedition. They are condoning Target, Disney, Budweiser's sentiments that embrace K-Pride Week, state laws on abortion. This party once always stood for keeping government out of private lives. Really? Them days are gone forever. Progressives have taken over. They will raise the debt ceiling, which originally was to assist the government raising funds, not disable it. 1917, the first debt ceiling was to help in issuing World War I, Donald not Donald, World War I liberty bonds. I have Donald on the brain. Our New York, capital of this entire world, has gone to the political dogs. Thank you for allowing me just to mumble. I'm going to go on. I just spoke to Dan Rather. If you're 16 and 17 and you don't know who the hell he was, let me tell you. Back in the old days, he was our former forever CBS TV anchor. And at this moment, as we speak, he is on People Magazine's cover. So he said to me, listen, I'm doing interviews because they did a documentary on me. I said, who did the documentary? He said, People. But now we are waiting for someone to buy it. So far, there is no distributor. Okay. So I asked... How does he feel about happening in our United States of America, our God-blessed country? Said Dan Rather, who was the top guy in the news in those days, he said, this is a dangerous time. We're under attack. It has become a struggle for the soul of America, and there's now fewer votes than there used to be. Who even knows can we remain free as a constitutional republic? I am not at peace with our country at all. Continuing on with what he said to me, he said, people are now afraid to speak up. They're scared. 
They don't want to get involved. They're citizens. They're Americans. They keep still. That's instead of what can I do today to help my country, to help myself be an American. But, said Dan Rather, I am an optimist. I think, I have to think, the United States is resilient and we'll get through this. It's just that they can't right now do it. Americans are afraid. We are the toughest, freest people in the world. And we're scared. We're afraid. Journalism has changed. He said, I watch all the news. I watch all the channels. I watch one and then the other. It's become more entertaining than reporting. It's a lot of sports with large corporations controlling 80% of the national distribution of our news. It's hard to watch anything worth mentioning. I can hardly find anything. He said, these days I live in Texas. I have my wife, family, grandchildren, and I still have my marbles. Also, I just did a wonderful thing. I was just in New York. I haven't been there in over two years because I now live in Texas. And I was newly struck again with how great is that city. It's just terrific. It's the number one in the world. It's got everything. It's easy for us to forget what a terrific city it is. It has energy. It has heartbeat. If you live there, you just need to tell yourself how lucky you are to live in New York. Me, I say the same thing. I live in New York. I am broadcasting in New York. I have a column in New York. It is the greatest. It's going downhill. It's got its problems. It's got everything. It's got garbage. It's got rats. It's got roaches. It's got thieves. It's got high costs of living. It's got bicycles everywhere where you can get hit with everybody. But it is New York. It is the capital of the United States of America. Okay, I'm going to go on. I am now, at the moment, just for a second, going to pee on Florida. This is a note to Mrs. DeSantis. Easy, honey. Down, girl. Enough with repeated long flowing cape sleeves with long ankle-length schmatas. Not even the Angel Gabriel dresses with billowing wings. Calm yourself. Take it easy. Mrs. Trump had training. Mrs. Kennedy had breeding. Mrs. DeSantis has low-class overdressing. Anyone see anybody in downtown South Dakota, a housewife ru rushing to copy her outfits? Let this lady pay attention. Her hubby could blow the mouse house and also the White House. Take it easy, wife. Calm yourself. Listen, we said last week, but just in case you didn't tune in last week, which I don't understand why you didn't tune in, I'm going to tell you again, Talk Radio, WABC, 770 on the AM dial, won, just now won, eight New York State Broadcast Awards, Best Public Affairs, Best Podcast, Best Columbus Day Coverage, Sid Rosenberg's Sid and Friends in the Morning, Best Election Coverage, Best Social Media, Best Live on Scene, and me... Madam Adams, Cindy Adams, best features. I think I said this last week, but in case, I'm going to say it again. 
my award centered on my former Governor Cuomo interview when he just stepped down and we all peed on him. The point is, some Andrew foul balls could be, might be, possibly because of this DeRosa lady, a nobody asp, ASP, he had hired. I once reported she's writing a book. She denied it. She said it's a lie. Yet she is now, at this moment, about to hustle this non-book she wasn't doing. I only say this possibly because some so-called Cuomo sins could be attributed not to him, but to his former worker's poisoned sense of truth. Ah, I got a second left before we go to a station break. Let us talk about the once treasured, revered FBI and our government. Also, are you aware that the Social Security Administration has your number and your ancestry? I just thought you should know that. I have a question before I go off. Every Paul facing a mic has a chorus behind who say nothing. They just stand there like matchsticks. They're staring, unmoving, not interceding, not suggesting, not scratching, not doing anything. They specialize in doing nothing. What is the point? They add borscht. They just grow behind their pole. My question is, what purpose is this curtain of bones who do nothing, who add nothing, who say nothing? What is the reason for all of this? They just stand there like waxed dummies. I'm about to go to a station break, but one, th one question I want to add. Why are a maximum of university pre professors radicalists, total radicalists, leftists, ideologists, social justice promoters, instructing our young fertile minds to rail against rulings, government, establishment, history, parents, mores, clothing, manners, social justice. Is that because professors have tenure and no need to bite and scratch to earn a dollar in this tough outside world? Can someone explain this to me? Right now, I am going to a station break. It'll give you a couple of minutes to find an answer, and then I will come back, and I will be interviewing Bill O'Reilly. A name you know who's in the know. It's the Cindy Adams Show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. 
You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mm. What flavor are you holding? Now, open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. A name you know who's in the know. It's the Cindy Adams Show, 77 WABC. I am now about to do something that's really great. I'm going to interview Bill O'Reilly. Bill O'Reilly is everywhere. Bill O'Reilly writes a book every 20 minutes. He has sold more copies than the Bible. Every 10 minutes, he has another bestseller out. And now it's called Killing the Witches, Bill O'Reilly's The Horror of Salem, Massachusetts. Excuse me, what the hell is this about? I don't understand it. You understand it. Listen, uh, this book reflects people in America who do not get due process and how you can get hurt very badly, lose your life, if the system of justice is not in place. It comes out September 26th. I appreciate you uh, giving it an advanced look. Um, You got the first copy. Cindy Adams got the first copy, which is called a galley. Uh, of killing the witches. So we begin in the uh, Massachusetts Bay Colony, the first people who came over on the Mayflower. And we yeah. put you on the Mayflower. You, you take that voyage three months across the Atlantic Ocean. Horrendous. I mean, everybody thinks, oh, Thanksgiving, hey, yeah, we're going to have a party, hey. No. This was a very painful voyage. People died on it. And then they get plunked in the beginning of winter in a very harsh climate. Now, who were they? Mostly Puritans. They are evangelist uh, Christians who are very strict, fire and brimstone. So you couldn't have any fun. That's basically the Puritan code was human beings don't have any fun ever. You work, you go to church. That's it. They didn't celebrate Christmas or Easter. They didn't do anything. The word in the dictionary is austere. And if you got out of line, you got punished harshly. Um, You could be executed for committing adultery, for example. Hollywood would not exist if the pilgrims had landed there. Um, Anyway, the Puritans believed in an act of evil that the Catholic Church believes today that there is a force, Satan, the devil, in the world that causes people to do bad things. And in Salem, Massachusetts, north of Boston, a very strict, crazy form of Puritanism took place, and it was just a few years after that when the witch thing started, and it started with little girls saying, pointing to adults saying, that person's a witch and having a fit. It was ghastly. Now, this has been going on in Europe for years. Thousands of people were killed in Central Europe and in Scotland and England. Okay, but why, if, if you're doing, you do all of these books, they're all fabulous books, we know that. The books are fabulous and great sellers. But why not a book maybe on Marco Polo or Napoleon? Why specifically on Salem and witchcraft? Because what happened there influences the way we live today. And in two ways. There's a witch hunt 
under the woke movement in America. Yes, absolutely. Lives are being destroyed. Yes. Because the corrupt media, any allegation becomes fact. So you can accuse anybody of anything. In a fair system, people shrug it and go, okay, show me the proof. Um, people are heinous and bad, and they deserve to be exposed, but others aren't. And in our system, you can make a lot of money accusing people of doing terrible things. And so that's a witch hunt. Roseanne Barr, for example, said her career was destroyed by a witch hunt. She used the word. We all know the 1950s about the communist witch hunt. But the direct correlation to everybody is Benjamin Franklin as a teenager was aware of these Salem witch trials because he lived in Boston. Yeah. And many of the witches were imprisoned in Boston before they were executed. And he took it upon himself to actually visit a man named Cotton Mather, who was the chief witch hunter. He was the guy who drove everything. And Franklin came out of that meeting so angry, so fed up, that when the Constitution was formed a few decades later, this was in his mind that the new American government was not going to be religion-based. Whereupon a lot of other patriots, like Patrick Henry, wanted it to be Christian-based. What, what, what is Salem like now? Does it have any residual effect from it? Oh, Salem is called Witch City. It now? Exists. Now? Now, today. It's, it's the primary industry in Salem, 45-minute drive from Boston. There's witches everywhere. There's the Witch Mall. They sell potions. The witches will tell your future, whatever they do. Uh, they're all over the place. Is that like so the these city, people with the crystal balls on, on lousy, cheapo apartments on the west side that they tell you your future? Is that what a witch is like? Some of them. And some of them sell potions um, and witch stuff. But it's the biggest industry by far in Salem. And the execution site on Gallows Hill is still there. So you can go, and after you read Killing the Witches, you probably want to go. And go up there and, and trace because a lot of the things that I write about are still there. You visited Salem? And, you visited Salem? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm a very familiar with Salem. I lived in Boston for many years. It's a nice little town. It's a port town on the north shore of Massachusetts. But they've, they've exploited this terrible murder spree um, for monetary gain. And some people don't like that. Can you tell me, I mean, I'm, maybe I'm limited, which of course is very possible. What actually is a witch? Can you explain a witch? Well, in the uh, fundamentalist world, a witch is somebody that makes a bargain with Satan and does the devil's bidding. So the devil, an active person, an active spirit, would tell the person to do this, that, whatever, and the person would do it. Are there male the, witches? 
Yes, there were male witches as well. There were, um, I think, three men executed out of the 20 in Salem. How about Adam Bullshiff? <laughs> Who? <laughs> Who is this? Adam Bullshiff, the man who was who Congress has just censured because he started all oh, the aggravation yeah. against Donald. <laughs> well, that gets me to the last part of the book. <laughs> no, no, don't rush me. I've got so many questions. I've got so many right, questions. Right. Okay, well, okay. I don't want to impugn Congressman Schiff's uh, <laughs> persona, but there are many people that feel he is a witch. Yes. Did you? Do you think witches are existent today? You're saying yes, they're outside Salem. You think they're existing today? No. I don't believe that there are human beings who are uh, sitting down to supper with Satan and Satan is telling them to do X, Y, and Z. I do not believe that. Well, the history is terrific in the book. It is absolutely terrific. The actual history, the names, the Patrick Henrys, the Benjamin Franklins. I know, I know, I know you're going to tell me about the great research. I understand that. But how much can you be sure what you are saying is so? 100%. How? Because Martin Dugard and I, we're the writers of the Killing series. It's the 13th book. We check this stuff every which way. I mean, there are records. The Puritans have meticulous records that are in a museum in Massachusetts today. Every word that was said in the witch trials was written down. Every word. And it's our job as historians to ferret that out, to read it, and to put it in the proper context. I mean, there were diaries kept on the Mayflower about how horrendous that voyage was. So our job is to find the material and then extrapolate the important parts and put it in book form, which is why, as you kindly mentioned, the Killing Series, the most successful nonfiction book series in history, ever. The history, the names that you drop, it's terrific in the book. And the story of the Mayflower that nobody knows. We always think it's sort of a glorious experience and everybody came with their little parasol. It's not that. It's It was horrendous, as you explained it. Yeah, a lot of death. Um, and when the survival rate is about 50% because when they got here, they had to eat. And it was the Native Americans that, that made that happen. So the uh, Puritans, when they landed, um, forged an alliance with the Indian tribes, and the Indian tribes helped them. And if not, they would have died, just like the first settlers in Jamestown, Virginia. This was very harsh. It was cold, and they didn't know, you know, how to grow stuff in that soil. And so they were going, well, God wills that we're here. Okay, but God's not going to come down and give you breakfast. <laughs> Why Why was it all centered? We got a big country here. Why only Salem? Well, it was first Plymouth, south of Boston. And then people expanded. They moved out so they could get land. So they moved north to Boston and Salem, and they moved south to Providence, Rhode Island. 
And there were a lot of bickering, and people didn't get along, and they just said, I'm getting out of here. I don't like these people and all that. But it was a natural migration, uh, big country, um, and people wanted their own land. They wanted to do their own thing. My friend who's gone, Joan Rivers, she believed in a certain amount of superstition or witches or whatever the hell you want to call it. Once we went for a weekend to what's that town where where all the, the they they wear these fancy clothes from the old days, um, Williamsburg, Virginia. That's it. That okay, okay, okay. We went to Williamsburg, Virginia for a weekend, and first of all, she put the heavy club chairs up against the door so that nobody could come in while she was sleeping. She also put newspapers, crumpled newspapers, on the floor. So if a witch came in, she would hear them walking on the newspapers. She made us leave the next morning after staying over. I said, we've only been here one day, Joan. Why are we moving? She says, there are witches here. She said, this is not me making this up, Bill. She said, the closet is moving towards me. She believed in witchcraft, and she believed that there were witches around her. How is this possible? Well, look, people believe what they want to believe. I think it was Johnny Carson that engineered all that against Joan Rivers. (laughs) Um, But Joan believed in ghosts. Yeah, she did. She did. uh, Yeah, there's a difference between a witch and a ghost. What's the difference? What's the difference? What's the difference? Well, a ghost is, is doesn't have to be any devil or anything like that. A ghost is just a spirit of somebody who's departed who hangs around and doesn't pay rent. So um, there are and, nice ghosts, nice ghosts? Yeah, Casper is a nice ghost. Um, but Williamsburg, interestingly enough, has had the ghost uh, legend for a long time, and it helps, of course, their tourism. But there are a lot of ghosts that just kind of annoy people. They're not in the league with the devil. So they had strange things. They put people in stocks. I've seen stocks. What did they do about feeding these people who were stuck in stocks? How did they feed them? They just uh, put a carrot in their mouth and a person chewed the carrot or whatever vegetable would be, and they put a cup of water and they drank the water. They weren't in there that long. They just wanted to humiliate the Puritans, if you got out of line, if you fell asleep in the church service or you didn't show up for church or, you know, anything like that, they would punish you publicly. They want to humiliate you so everybody would stay in line. And that's what those stocks were used for. When, when did witches stop? They stopped when the uh, insane witch hunters accused the wife of the governor, William Phipps, the governor of Massachusetts Bay, of being a witch. I mean, how insane is that? So Phipps was up in Maine fighting the Abenaki Indians, who were a threat to uh, white settlers. And he comes back to Boston, and they said, ah, your wife has got a trial date in about three weeks. She's in home confinement. They didn't put her in jail like they did with all the other witch suspects. They let her stay in the in the house, but he went ballistic. And he goes, that's enough. He didn't believe in the witch stuff anyway, Phipps. And he just stopped it cold. 
And uh, they got him. They uh, framed him on a crime, and the Crown uh, took his governorship away from him. They had terrifying instruments, uh, an Iron Maiden. Explain it. And did you ever see an Iron Maiden? Only on the band. Um, They didn't use that in America very much because they didn't have iron. Um, That was more of a European thing. It was a torture chamber with spikes and stuff like that. Um, The Salem people were basically um, telling the farmers, they were all farmers, a few ship uh, fishermen and and shipbuilders, but mostly farmers. They're basically saying, look, you do what we tell you to do or we're going to make your life miserable. And that evolved then into these young girls uh, pointing to people screaming, which, 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 and then the nuts who were in charge saying, uh, arresting them and putting them on trial it was harrowing. We take you through the cases, name the names. I, I mean, it's just unbelievable. I know, I know, I know. It's a fabulous book. What about men? Are they called wizards? What, no, what about witches. them? Are they not? Yeah, no, they're witches. A man has been men. a witch? Yeah, now they use the term uh, warlock sometimes, but. In a historical context, if you were male, you could be a witch. Now, I don't know about trans. I don't know how that goes. Um, I don't think they had it back then. (laughs) But if you were a male, you could be accused as a witch. Tell Tell me a story of one of the things that you learned or how you learned it or how stunned you were, because the book is absolutely riveting. It really is. It's scary. But it's riveting. Tell me about one of the stories that you learned. Okay. Well, I wanted to uh, take the Salem witch trials and then the subsequent battle over the American Constitution, whether to make America a Christian country or not. That's the first two parts of the book. But then I wanted to bring it into modern times. And the way that we did that was the most famous devil intrusion into this country, America, was The Exorcist, book and movie. Yeah. Now, the book was based on a real case that actually happened. But Blatty, the guy who wrote the book, William Peter Blatty, he changed. It was a boy who was possessed, 13, not a girl. But in the movie, they changed it to a girl to make the girl more sympathetic. The movie that came out in the early 1970s brought the attention of devil possession, that the devil is a real spirit that can alter behavior, into everybody's consciousness. But what people don't know is, A, what really happened to this 13-year-old Maryland boy, and B, the insanity that happened on the set of the Exorcist film while they were making the movie. Eight people died Look. during the filming of the, of the Exorcist. And Friedkin, the director, oh. and he did the French Connection, um, he had no formal belief system um, when he took the project on. But we, we use a lot of his quotes, and he goes, there's something here. 
this is insane what's happening every day when we walk onto the set. So I wanted to bring it back to modern times, and I think we succeeded in doing that well. Oh, the book is terrific. The book is really terrific, but you can't read it late at night and then go to sleep. Listen, I love you. I don't understand how it's possible that every 20 minutes you can write a bestseller. The Bible doesn't sell as many as you do. And it's time that you took some of the money that you've earned and take me out to dinner, okay? Okay, but I want your audience to know I did that three weeks ago. <laughs> we had a great time. <laughs> yes, I love you, Bill. Cindy Adams Thank and I you. made fun of Conan O'Brien at that dinner. That was great. <laughs> yes. Thanks, honey. Thanks for coming okay. on. I love you. Be, read <laughs> Bill O'Reilly's Killing the Witches. Thank you, sweetheart. Okay, bye. A name you know who's in the know. It's the Cindy Adams Show. It's the Cindy Adams Show. 77 WABC. Okay, it is Madam Adams. I am back again. I have spoken of various lifestyles, like the witches, like all the other people in Washington. I think I'll tell you about one bit of lifestyles. There is our East Side, which you just heard me tell you. Dan Rather says there's nothing like in the world like New York City. Well, our East Side, I was walking on the street the other day. It had in front of me a year-old chihuahua. The year-old chihuahua had a trainer, a groomer, a walker, a license, a vet, a routine, a personalized diet, booties, a leash, a cashmere sweater, an engraved collar, and her trainer told me her own shampoo. And this stinking little chihuahua was just six inches long. You want to know how great we are in this city? I got other things to tell you. If you come here, you should know what we've got something everywhere. Like Hell's Kitchen has a pottery store. It's called Mud, Sweat, and Tears. The east side has pet care. It's called Groomingdale's. There's Fish and Chips that's right near Chelsea Market. It's called Assault A. S-A-L-T, Assault and Battery. There's a booze joint in Queens called City Slickers. There's an east side tailor called Peace, P-I-E-C-E, Peace Cleaners. And a Brooklyn manicurist, she says, you've got nail. And there is a bakery called Baguette About It. Listen. Forget all this bad stuff. Come to New York. Just consider yourself grateful if you and your teeth still sleep in the same room, especially if you're smiling only in New York, kids, only in New York. Let me tell you what's happening now. Celebrity is a big-time business. It's not just being in the movies or getting a job. It's getting money when you're not working. There's a new group. His name is Jeff Krause. He's from something called the IE Group. I don't know what the hell that is, but I know the story. He says, the pandemic, which begat virtual meetings, has developed a booking situation of names. Names 
that people want for anything, for like for birthdays, weddings, conventions, nightclubs, a 16th birthday party, a bris, anything. They book the celebrities who get a large fee for showing up. This new idea is called Fan Room Live. This guy has handled everybody. Looney's, Brooke Shields, Uma Thurman, everybody. Probably even a partridge in a pear tree. So any semi-VIP who can sing, whistle, burp, or make noise, call him. Not me. But if you call him, you can get a few bucks if you can show up and do something at a bar mitzvah besides eating. So, as whispered in the Bronx, I have heard someone say, Listen, I am all for prayers in school, as long as they teach algebra in church. That's only in New York, kids, only in New York. And there is the accountant who has said, My wife says I am bisexual. Could be. That's because I only do it with her twice a month. Listen, I got other things I could tell you, but they're now telling me it's time I got the hell off the air. So I'm about to get off the air and hope you will be back with me against next Sunday from 1 to 2, where what I can promise you only is I'll probably get better. <laughs> Thanks for listening for me. I love you all. This is Cindy Adams for WABC.